Welcome to the Fantasy Ace Ball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak, on a Sunday Memorial Day weekend morning. So we're going to make this a shorty because I am visiting my family this weekend on the other side of Florida. And we really didn't have a lot of big call-ups this week. We had Rowanzi come up and Calvin Mitchell, so the Pirates are finally doing their thing. And I was really expecting G-Rod, Grayson Rodriguez, to be up this weekend for the holiday series, but that did not occur as of this podcast. So some roster notes. Like I said, we'll keep them a little brief. Baltimore Orioles, we have Adley Rutschman up and hitting fifth already in the lineup. And the team currently on roster resource only has four stars in the rotation. So that leaves a spot open for G-Rod then, right? So when's he coming, Orioles? Chicago White Sox, we got TLR doing some odd little TLR things with Polak hitting third and Vaughn at the back of the lineup. His veteran preference is obvious, uh, even though Pollock is still a pretty solid player. So I guess I can't complain too much. Just doesn't make so much sense. Kansas City Royals, um, buying big on MJ Melendez. Um, I think that he's really going to keep the playing time. Maybe not 100%, but I think he should be playing in 80% of games or so because he's shown a pretty solid debut. But I think when Salvi comes back, uh, Melendez will be splitting catcher duties with Salvi, getting some at-bats at DH, so that he'll still be getting regular catcher at-bats for your one-catcher leagues. Two-catcher leagues, even as a backup, he's probably valuable, but then he's going to be getting starters workload. Seattle Mariners, uh, J-Rod is really clicking now, and dude is straight up a superstar. So um, I think the buy window is definitely closed on J-Rod. And in the league, I just got J-Rod. You might remember from my podcast last week, like a week right before that window closed. Texas Rangers uh, actually have a pretty solid lineup. If you look at their lineup, when Cole Calhoun is working with Garver, Jonah Heim, Seager, Semyon, you know, the problem is Semyon isn't really going. Neither really is Seager. But when these guys start going, that's actually a decent lineup. Um, Arizona Diamondbacks. Said this last week, but it's only a matter of time until Alex works. Alec Thomas works his way up in the order. He's hitting over 300 right now, and it's silly that he's hitting so low in the order. Um, Atlanta Braves, really weird lineup. You got two catchers at the top right now. You got William Gar- uh, Contreras hitting second, and Travis Darno hitting fourth, and Albies hitting fifth. So instead of having Ozzy Albies hitting near the top, I think Matt Olson is even hitting like for their sixth. So it's kind of weird what they're doing in the lineup. Cincinnati Reds called up someone in Graham Ashcroft. Sounds like a, one of those presidents in the 1900s who was assassinated like 30 days into his term or whatever. So it sounds like Graham Ashcroft. And I already noted this about Pittsburgh Pirates called up Cal Mitchell and Rowanzi Contreras. The good thing about the Pirates is they already have Mitchell hitting second in the lineup. So some decent value here for Cal Mitchell if he's available in deep leagues. Unfortunately, in my deepest of leagues, I missed him by like four seconds. That sucked. Uh, O'Neill Cruz is next, though. So if you're holding, O'Neill should be up shortly. He's hitting some bombs the last couple weeks. Uh, he's really coming on. So I think O'Neill Cruz will be a 
sooner rather than later, but hey, I've been saying that since the start of the season. Injury notes. We've catcher Carson Kelly with the Diamondbacks was IL with an oblique injury. And the good news is this gives Var show the chance to regain catcher eligibility for next year. Second baseman Jonathan India with the Reds is going to be out a couple weeks longer than I had originally expected. Uh, than anyone had originally expected. Because I'm not his doctor. It's not like I'm looking at him. I'm just going based on the news. Uh, outfielder Fran Milbrae with the Indians. Oh, sorry. Guardians was placed on the IL. This is going to take me a couple of years to break that habit. It's like when a new, you get a new year. It's like 2021. You start writing 2021. on, And even though it's 2022, you're still writing 2021 for like a month as the date. That's uh, kind of like what that's like for me. So, anyway, Fran Mill with the Guardians is placed on the IL with a hamstring injury. Chris Bryant is hurt again just about a week after returning from the IL. He already is on the IL again. Kind of Machanager vibes there with Chris Bryant, Bryant this year. Some money well spent, Rockies. Uh, next, we have starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez with the Tigers. He hit the IL in, earlier in the week with a rib injury. And uh, Tigers are missing three-fifths of their opening day rotation now with Mize, Manning, and Erod all out. And they were lucky enough to lose Scoople last week when he got hit by that comebacker, too, who has been their best pitcher by far of the three prospect pitchers. He's the lowest ranked, and he's the best one. Catcher Salvador Perez, staying on that Royals note already noted, hit the IL thumb injury last week, should be back pretty shortly here. Probably sometime this week he'll be back. Might be at the end of the week. Um, but once Salvi comes back, just got to keep an eye on that playing time between Salvi and MJ Melendez to see what the team is going to do. I just don't think that they should be benching Melendez, who is catcher of the future. Salvi's probably DH of the future. That's really what makes the most sense here going forward. So starting pitcher Jesus Lazardo with the my with the Marlins. We all know he's out with the forearm injury. And uh, Anthony Bender also is out. So the Marlins going through some pitching woes. We should be on the lookout for, and this is the thing, if Max Meyer didn't get hurt, would he be up now? With Lozardo was already out last week. And then Meyer had the bad start. And then Bender now out. Um, I mean, he could have been up in a bullpen role maybe. Or Eliezer maybe moved to the bullpen to clear that spot. So... We'll see what happens. I'm guessing Cabrera is going to be up very shortly to make up for these losses here for the Marlins. And since uh, Myers is on the IL. Uh, shortstop Willie Adames with the Brewers is back on a uh, rehab assignment. So he should be back very shortly here. Um, you know, crazy because he and Mitch Hanniger are both out with high ankle sprains. And Hanniger is going to be out for eight to ten weeks or whatever. And Adamis is going to come back like two weeks. Outfielder Hunter Renfro with the Brewers hit the IL with a hamstring injury and should be back once he's eligible. Chad Green with the Yankees is out for the season with the grand old elbow surgery. Uh, this Chapman is on the IL with Achilles issue. And the word is that Clay Holmes is going to hold on to the closer role, possibly even once Chapman returns. Giancarlo Stanton also hit the IL with an ankle injury. And as noted on multiple other podcasts, this is an, uh, gives a window and open playing time for Miguel Andujar to get some PT in. Not like it really matters. Usually he plays well when someone gets hurt, 
but it's not like it ever increases his play time. He just goes right back to riding the pine right when the other guy comes back. Um, starting pitcher Mike Clevenger at the Padres is expected to be out for the next three to four weeks with a triceps issue, which uh, is not good for Clevenger owners, but does reopen a rotation spot for Nick Martinez and possibly Mackenzie Gore. First baseman Brandon Felt is on the IL for the second time this year. Um, should have been expected. This guy's always injury prone. He's such a good year last year, and I got him as a corner in a lot of leagues. He's a really good corner, but um, injuries are really hurting with Brandon Belt. Outfielder Tyler O'Neill of the Cardinals is on a rehab assignment, and he will probably be down there as long as is needed for him to get hot. So even if he's feeling healthy and can come back up in a week or whatever, like I expect him to be down there a little bit longer because the Cardinals certainly need him right now. Uh, Yepes covering for him in left field. Got Nolan Gorman up now. Yesterday hit his first career homer, went 4-4, four for four, so Gorman is looking really good. Uh, no real need to rush Tyler O'Neill here. And then Jordan Hicks starting picture with the Cardinals. Hit the IL with a form injury after the Mats injury, so the Cardinals are going to have their rotation depth tested a little bit here. Um, Libertor is up in the rotation, but looks like Jake Woodford is probably going to be getting some starts here because now their rotation is looking like Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, um, Dakota Hudson, and Matthew Libertor with a gap. So we're going to get to our top 10 standard waiver ads right now. Number one is Alec Thomas with the Diamondbacks. So, uh, Thomas still is not up to 75% ownership in CBS leagues. Uh, he's hitting over 300. He's hitting 304 with three homers through his first 18 games. I think that he is worth owning in any standard league. Same thing with outfielder Manuel Margot. Now he's back from the IL. He's hitting 353 this year with three homers and five steals. That is definitely worth owning in any league. Third, we have reliever, save, closer, Joan Duran with the Twins. I thought he would be well over 75% owned at this point because he's still pitching phenomenally with a 32.6% K-minus walk rate and a 33.4% CSW with four saves. Duran is primary closer now at the Twins, so he should be owned in pretty much any league where you need closers. Number four, we have Juan Yepes with the Cardinals who gained outfield eligibility. So he's first and outfield eligible. He is cooling down a little bit after his hot start but someone who is hitting 275 with four homers and the hard hit discipline or the hard hit power metrics that he has um, shows he should be actually hitting for more power going forward. Obviously, it takes a little bit to get used to playing in St. Louis, such a big stadium, one of the worst stadiums, I think second worst stadium for home runs in baseball. So um, that might be sapping some of Yepes' power, but just based on his metrics, he should be like a 25-30 home run guy, not like uh, pacing for like 20. Um, number five, we have Ryan Helsley, another Cardinal. Helsley seems to be alternating save days with Gallegos right now. It looks like kind of what the Cardinals are doing to try to keep Helsley healthy because they don't want Helsley to pitch on back-to-back days. And it seems like they're doing uh, every other day type thing. Where Gallegos gets a save one day, Helsley the next, then Gallegos. And they just keep alternating. But the good thing about that is that both of these pitchers are pitching more than one inning. They're usually going like an inning and a third or an inning two-thirds. Sometimes two innings to get the save. So usually it's not just one inning. 
But even regardless of getting saves, Helsley's worth owning just for the metrics. He's a .8 Sierra, 44.4% K minus walk rate, and a 32.5% CSW. Those numbers show that Helsley is very well worth owning just for the ERA and weight boost. Number six, I have Grayson Rodriguez with the Orioles. I really, really, really think he's coming up very shortly. He's just playing way too good. We'll get to his stats later. Number seven, Harrison Bader with the Cardinals. Uh, so Bader got another couple of steals the other day, so he's up to four homers and 13 steals this year. Uh, one of the fastest players in the league, and he's only got a 277 BABIP. So there's even more room for improvement. Once his BABIP normalizes, he's going to be hitting on baseball and could get even more steals. So this could be like a 30 to – I mean, it should be a 30 home or a thirty steal season for Bader just based on those projections, but this could be like even 40 steals for Bader this year. Number eight, we have Danny Jimenez with the Athletics. Jimenez done a great job with the closer role. Uh, he blew his first save last night, though, so hopefully, or the other night, so hopefully it doesn't affect his closure status moving forward. Um, he, but he's definitely due for some regression with a 318 Sierra and a, only a 189 ERA. But he does have a 36.5 CSW, so he should still be a very, very good closer moving forward, but maybe not like impeccable like how he has been. Number nine, we have catcher MJ Melendez with the Royals. As previously stated, I think that Melendez. Um, who is the starting catcher right now, Salvi on the I.L., is going to maintain a semblance of normal catcher playing time, which is about 75 to 80% of PT once Salvi returns. And number 10, this guy barely missed my list last week, is first baseman Christian Walker with the Diamondbacks. Um, I had Yaz on the list last week instead of Walker, and Yaz actually graduated from the list because he's been playing so well. So now we've got first baseman Christian Walker, who has 12 homers this year. Um, why is he not being owned then if he has 12 homers already? Uh, he's hitting under 200. Now, he, his bat is also under 200, so I think a lot of it has to do with luck, um, but he is barreling the ball well when he is hitting it, when he does get it, and hitting homers. So Walker's average should be up moving forward. Power will probably come down some. I don't think he's going to be close to a you know, 35, 40 home run guy, probably closer to 25, 30. Um, so I don't expect the power to be maintained, but the batting average should be going up as the power comes down. So let's get into our top 10 deep league ads. Number one, I have starting pitcher Jeffrey Springs with the Rays. Yes, starting pitcher. Springs is now cemented himself into the, a role as a starting pitcher. And uh, everyone talks about Cardinals devil magic, which applies to like the Cardinals bench guys who just come up and rake like Brennan Donovan. Um, but the Rays have devil magic too for pitchers. They're, any reliever that they throw into that starting pitcher role just becomes amazing all of a sudden. I mean, like, we've got the Ryan Yarbrough thing, we have Drew Rasmussen, now we've got Jeffrey Springs. Um, just throw a reliever and make him a starter, and boom. And three weeks later, the guy's pitching six innings, shutouts against the Yankees or whatever. <laughs> so uh, Springs is a 21.1% K minus walk rate and 30.1 CSW. And a 307 Sierra. So uh, don't sleep on Jeffrey Springs. This guy is, and he's a lefty too. So he's really showing that he's um, going to be a valuable moving forward. Number two, we have starting pitcher Ronzi Contreras with the Pirates. Uh, Contreras was my number two ranked prospect last week. He's actually probably, I would own Contreras even in 12 team leagues. Um, so I would go get him. And Springs, even though they're owned enough that they should be in the deep league ad list still. I would get these guys even in 12-season leagues, both these pitchers. 
So, Ronzi has a strong four-pitch arsenal. Um, he's got a 19.6 K minus walk rate this year at the major league level with a 32.9% CSW and a 316 Sierra. Obviously, sm- small sample size. He's only made a couple starts, and most of what he has is uh, relief appearances to date. But still, very good stuff. Always showing good stuff in the minors. I like some Ronzi. Number three, I'm still believing in starting pitcher Kyle Bradish with the Orioles, even though his ERA is not too hot. Um, he's had some a couple of bad starts back to back. His metrics behind those uh, numbers are still pretty good. He's still got a 16.3% K minus walk rate and a 3.7 Sierra. So his strikeout slash walk stuff is still very good. Sierra is showing that he's had some bad luck. So I think Bradish is going to be evening out in the next couple weeks with some solid starts. Number four, we have starting pitcher Matthew Libertor with the Cardinals. Libertor made his second start yesterday and was very, very good. Um, I watched that game, Gorman, Libertor. You know, I'm a Cardinals fan, but it was fun to watch these guys. Uh, Gorman supporting Libertor, Libertor getting the win. Um, Libertor looked much better this time out. I don't think he's going to be an ace. He doesn't have the upside of even like Ronzi Contreras or definitely not of Grayson Rodriguez, but I think he could be a solid number two, number three type starting pitcher uh, in real baseball and fantasy. That makes him what? A number four starter? That's probably what Matthew Libertor is, a number four starting pitcher in fantasy baseball for like a 12-team league, 15-team league. Number five, we have catcher Danny Jansen, who has some really crazy splits but that's only because he has a 34 at-bats or something like that. But he's got 217 bat up in the 324 average, and also five homers with a 559 ISO. So Jansen, who got off to a hot start and then got hurt like a week and a half into the season, came off the IL and has still been mashing homers. So Jansen looks to have made some changes that are going to stick around because he got hurt, and then coming back, he's still mashing. It's not like it was just a heater um, because he got broken up by an injury. So I think Danny Jansen did something. He made some changes. I don't know if we need, like, you know, Saris to get into it and write about that or something, but um, he definitely made some changes, and they're working. Number six, we have utility infielder, outfielder, Brandon Donovan with the Cardinals, second baseman, shortstop, outfield. He's still playing most days, just playing all over the field, kind of the Ben Zobrist role, uh, the former Tommy Edmond role. And with Gorman coming up, he's not really playing second as much. Uh, against lefties, he will, because Gorman isn't a hit against lefties. But uh, he does have a 310 batting average, a 16.7% walk rate. So um, his bat is still like 370 right now. So I don't think he's a 300 hitter. I think he's more like a 270 hitter. But with the walk rate, he's very valuable. Um, even if he's not going to be a big power spiel guy, he might be like, he might be closer to like 15 homers. 10 steals or something like that if he played a full season. Um, that's, like, upside. Number seven, we have Cole Calhoun, who is on a tear. He's worth owning as long as he maintains the tear. He's got a 14% barrel rate, which would be career year. So if he can keep this up uh, with the swing t- changes he made, then Cole Calhoun is definitely worth owning in any deep league. Number eight, previously mentioned, outfielder Calvin with the Pirates. Like I said, he's already hitting second with the Pirates. I missed him by a few seconds in the call-up. I was about to add him in a deep 20-team league that I have, international 20-team league. And right when I pressed that plus button, it showed the plus button like he's still available. He was he was taken. So I pressed the plus button, and it didn't add him. And I was like, what the hell? And then uh, I looked, 
I had to refresh my page, and then someone grabbed them, like, right, literally right before I did, like, seconds before. He pressed the plus button, and they're like, are you sure you want to add? And I'm like, yes. And then he's like, nope, too bad. Somebody else did this already. So that was grand. Um, number nine, I've got outfielder Tyler Naquin with the Reds. Uh, Naquin is basically doing what he did last year, which is a very solid player, and very useful in, like, five outfielder leagues. He's nice number five, number six outfielder need someone on the bench or you got an injury or whatever. Uh, number 10, we've got catcher William Contreras with the Braves. I'm a dum-dum, and I dropped Contreras in a couple of leagues last week because I figured he was going to get the PT. He was going to go to Darno, but then the Braves started playing Contreras in the outfield, which how could I have expected that? Now he's hanging second in the lineup, playing the outfield. Um, so don't make my mistake. Uh, if you can try to get Contreras, go at him. I'm actually trying to get him back in some leagues now because I dropped him just one week too early. So let's now get into the top 10 redraft prospects who are not promoted yet. Number one is Grayson Rodriguez, who I already mentioned I thought he'd be up this weekend. I guess now being promoted in early June, he should be promoted. I mean, I don't understand why he would make another start in AAA. He's got a 15 to third inning pitch there. 32% K-minus wall grade, 232 ERA, and an 89 whip. Like, why? Just bring him up. There's no reason for him to make another start triple A. Number two, we have shortstop Royce Lewis, who apparently went down to learn some left field in third base. He should be back to the majors very soon. He's still destroying triple A. Um, so I expect mid-June call up, recall up of Royce Lewis. There's a 308 average, a 412 OBP, 548 OPS, five homers, and 11 steals. Number three, I have outfielder Riley Green with the Tigers. I expect him back in late June. He just began a rehab assignment. He's probably need three or four weeks to show that he's fully healthy before he's ready to go, and he's also got to be hitting well. They're not going to bring him out just because he's healthy because he hasn't had the majors yet. They haven't started that clock yet, so they want to make sure he's uh, all systems go before they bring him up. So this could extend into July, just depending on how well he plays. Number four, I've got Joe Adele, who has slowed down the last couple of weeks after a hot start. Once he got down to AAA, he is still maintaining the slugging, but the average, he's losing a bit. Um, I have him coming up late June. Probably might be a trade. We'll see what gets him up back up in the majors. But in AAA, he's hitting 255, 373, 673 with five homers and a steal. Number five, I've got Max Meyer with the Marlins, who I already mentioned would probably be up right now based on the injuries. If he didn't get injured himself, he's on the Minor league IL. We'll see when he's healthy, if he can make it back up quickly. I have him as a late June estimated promotion date. He's got stuck at 39 two-thirds innings, 8.2 K minus walk, 454 ERA, and 116 whip. That's after his worst start of the season where he got shelled. So he's probably hurt through that start. Number six, as mentioned, O'Neill Cruz is ready to go. Starting to line it up again. Um, there's another podcast I was listening to where they think he might just be bored. Um, he is uh, the Color Podcast. Uh, they're saying that Lindor even mentioned that he was bored in the minors, and that's why his minor league numbers aren't that great. But uh, Neil Cruz is up to six homers, 10 steals, 213 average, 323, 323 OBP, 381 slug. So O'Neal should be up soon. He's showing the last couple of weeks he's been hitting better. He's ready. Number seven, I've got starting pitcher D.L. Hall with the Orioles, who I think is a little bit further away. I've got him up in early July. A lefty throws 100 miles an hour. Um, he had a good start last time out. His first couple starts at AAA, he got shelled pretty good, but he's coming off injury. So I think once he probably gets around 50 innings or so, so he probably needs 
And he's only pitching like three or four innings to start right now. So he's got to get up to pitching five, six innings to start, I think, and closer to 50 innings, and he, he will probably be called up. He's of the age, and they don't want to waste his bullets. Uh, number eight, I have Brian. Is it on his Brian or Brian Bello with the Red Sox? Uh, he already threw a no-hitter this year in double-A, and he has back-to-back 10-plus K games in triple-A. I have him coming up in July. I think that this is going to depend on someone's sale. We'll see what happens when sale comes up and what they do with Woodlock and Hawk. But I think that Bellow will be up this year. Um, he's got 12 innings pitching now in AAA, 32.7 K minus walk rate, 3 ERA, and 108 whip. Really good numbers from AAA for Bellow. Number nine, I've got third baseman Miguel Vargas with the Dodgers. Basically, he's just waiting for a spot. He's been dominating AAA. We're just waiting for the Dodgers to finally uh, either. I mean, they just put Muncy on the IL, um, but what are they going to do with Turner? Turner is having a pretty bad year, so we'll see what they do with Justin Turner. I've got Vargas coming up sometime in June. He's got a 291 average, 394 OBP, 486 slug, 7 homers, 4 steals. He basically is Justin Turner, too. He's going to be a primarily doubles guy who can hit 25 homers with a good batting average at the majors. Number 10, we've got Jared Klinek with the, Mar- with the Mariners. Went down to try to fix himself. He'll probably be down 46 weeks. I've got him coming back in early August, so I think he's going to stay down for a couple months this time. They're not going to call him up again until they're like 100% sure he's got it right. But in AAA right now, he's hitting 317, 378, 561 with two homers and a steal. So he is uh, hitting AAA well again, even though he's striking out a ton. He's got like a 40% strikeout rate down there. He's got to fix that. Um, but besides that, he's hitting the ball well down there. Honorable mentions, we've got Starting pitcher Kill Killian with the Cubs, shortstop CJ Abrams with the Padres, outfielder Josh Lau with the Rays, first baseman Tristan Casas with the Red Sox, and outfielder Kyle Stowers with the Orioles. Graduated this week, we have Adley Rutschman, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Levator, Ronzi Contreras, and Cal Mitchell. Now we're going to take a little deep look into some CSW numbers, swing strike rates, and O swings. So, um, talking about from a pitching perspective. So some three positives I noticed in CSW is Shane McClanahan is still leading the league in CSW with a 35.3%. Second is Corbin Burns with 33.3%. So McClanahan beating that out by a nasty 2%. Josiah Gray is surprisingly ranked 17th with a 28.8%. And Dane Dunning, even better, at 10th with a 30.2%. And the league average CSW is actually down right now this year from 27.6% last year to 27.2% this year. A few negatives on CSW. Um, somehow, Austin Gumbert is still putting up some decent numbers this year, even though he has the league-worst 21.8% CSW of all qualified starting pitchers. Number two, we've got Justin Verlander is ninth-worst in baseball with a 25.2% CSW. I bet if you looked at his baseball card stats and then tried to guess how where Verlander was ranked in CSW, you would have had that wrong. Um, it's a little scary to me that he's ninth-worst in baseball with a 25.2% CSW. Um, especially after getting blown up last night. He hasn't been putting up regular strikeouts. Um, he's been pitching well, but not with the strikeouts. So it is a little concerning. Um, number three, also Walker Bueller, 17th worth in ba- worst in baseball with a 20, 26% CSW. Three notes on swing strike rate. Robbie Ray's fourth with a 16.3% swing strike rate, but he only has a 27.5% CSW. So that's really weird. That means that he's not getting called strikes which we'll get into. Frankie Montas is the 
is in the Robbie Ray category with a 14.1% swinging strike rate and only a 27.2% CSW. So a couple guys just not getting swinging strikes, or not getting called strikes. That's Robbie Ray and Frankie Montas. Um, on the other end of that, Adam Wainwright has the highest called strike rate in baseball with a 21.9% and only a 5.9% swinging strike rate, which is a little bit scary as a Wayno owner. But if you look at the leaders in called strike rates, it's all vets. It's all crafty, older vets. And then that's for Cortez. It's like, yeah, Wayne right here. Uh, Brios now, considering about Grinky, Bumgarner, Martin Perez, and then Nestor Cortez. Cortez. Those are the leaders in culture. Great. Three notes on O-Swing is Kevin Gossman is still dominating the leagues, both leagues in O-Swing, with a 49.2% for pitcher. And second place is Max Free with 40.2%. So all 9% lead for Kevin Gossman in O-Swing for pitchers. Number two is John, Jordan Montgomery. In all these stats, seems to be in the top 20 of everything in the positive. So if Montgomery is available in your league, which I, he actually did get dropped in a uh, 12-team league that I'm in, a Yankees fan picked him up. Um, but if he's available in your league, I'd get him just based on seeing his name a lot when I was searching these numbers. Number three um, oddly, a lot of the top guys in whip in baseball are in the bottom of O-swing percentage. So if you reverse the O-swing, you're looking at the names and saying, okay, who, who's getting the least guys to swing outside of the zone? A lot of those guys are not necessarily strikeout guys, but they all have solid whips, like really good whips. So in a way, it makes a little sense. It's like, okay, so your pitches are then, maybe you're just not pitching outside of the strike zone. You're just pitching so much in the strike zone that you're not walking anyone. And guys are making bad contact some, for some reason on your pitches. And that's causing you to have a league-leading whip. So that's um, kind of means to me that O-swing for a pitcher may not be as important as one thinks. Because the guys on the negative aspect of the O-swing are still pretty good fantasy players. So... Um, Let's get into some of the, made, the moves that I made last week. Last week in the CBS Memorial Magazine League, I dropped Garanzi Contreras for Grayson Rodriguez because I thought Rodriguez would be coming up this week, and I was going for the higher upside since it's only a 12-team league. Uh, I was also being dumb in this league and dropped William Contreras before he started playing in the outfield because I thought he was going to lose catcher eligibility. Um, and I had Casali, and Casali's been on the uh, concussion IL all week, so he's even played for me. I dropped in for Naquin, and uh, Naquin's helped me out this week, but kind of sucked. I should I dropped the wrong catcher. Um, I've got, I think, seven bids in this week to varying degrees, so we'll see what I end up with in that league. And TGFBI, I added Chase Silseth for Steven Strasburg at $7. Tommy Lestella for Diego Castillo at $6. Ryan Yarbrough for Tyler Wells at $4. And Austin Gomber for CJ Abrams at $3. This is all last week. And I lost on my... Big bids that I had, which were Drew Rasmussen, who's for some reason someone dropped, MJ Melendez, Mitch Garver, and Cole Calhoun. Those were the four guys that I bid big on. I missed all four of them. So I sucked. So um, I wasn't expecting that to miss on all those guys. So I've got another 15 plus bids in this week since I lost all my big bids last week. Um, in my Dynasty Home League, I made another trade. This is the trade that I, the, the league where I made a couple trades last week, getting Julio Rodriguez, Grayson Rodriguez. Christian Yelich. Um, I in this league I had MJ Melendez as my backup catcher on the bench. So I traded JT Real Muto, who's a fifth round keeper, for a twentieth round keeper, Logan Gilbert. So basically I traded last week 
Joe Ryan and Alec Manoa. And I just replaced one of those guys right there with Logan Gilbert. The other one will be replaced with Grayson Rodriguez. And I added Yelich and J-Rod to my offense. So pretty psyched about all that in that league. Um, my international league, I added Ty- uh, Tyrone Taylor and Matt Whistler after Jordan Hicks went on the IL. So I lost Hicks to the IL, and I dropped Emmanuel Rivas and added Tyrone Taylor and Matt Whistler. And in Atenu, I dropped Justin, an $8 Justin Turner, finally, because I won a bid. I won a $2 bid on Danny Jansen, so I had to drop somebody. Um, and I could I could drop a prospect, but I decided to drop Turner, even though Muncie went on the IL. Um, right now I'm kind of back and forth on if I should drop a $29 Charlie Morton or a $62 Max Muncie if I need to. But I have a ton of bids in right now on guys, so we'll see if I get some of these guys. They're mostly $1 and $2 bids. Um, but I'm trying to get build up my bench a little bit because i got Corman up now. And I'm winning even with a dead spot on my lineup right now because I've got Muncie on the IL just sitting there. I've got Renfro on the IL. So i got a dead spot in my lineup, and I'm still winning. Um, I th- think I've learned I have too many prospects in on new. I had, like, two of the year with, like, eight prospects. And I was like, okay, I've got a full lineup. I've got all these backups. But then injuries strike, and it's a 40-team roster. And if you have no... Uh, flexibility in your draft dollars because I capped myself out. I spent all four hundred dollars during the draft. It's kind of stupid. I should have left a few dollars, but I just had so many good deals. I felt like I had to go for them, but I kind of screwed myself flexibility wise, and I missed on a lot of these guys that pop early in the season because I did that. So I've kind of learned my lesson. I think I at max I want to go five prospects and not noon. Um, just got so many guys. I like two dollar Jordan Walker, two dollar Robert Hassel. $2 Miguel Vargas, a $2 Riley Green, who I was expecting to have this year. So I got all these guys, a $3 George Kirby, $2 DL Hall. So it's like, these are not guys that I just wanted to drop, you know, and then clinic, clinic failed. So that hurt me. Riley Green got hurt. That hurt me. Hanniger got hurt. That hurt me. Now Muncie, Ron Fro got hurt. So um, I think five prospect um, maximum is kind of the way to go in Atenu if you want to be successful and win. Like, I'm in the middle of a rebuild right now. Like, this is supposed to be my, my turnaround year from my rebuild. It's been, like, a two-year rebuild. And I missed the playoffs last year. Even though I was fourth in points, I still missed the playoffs. So, I'm still trying to figure out um, the best way to utilize a roster for odd new. It's a little tricky. Um, kind of a different ball game than some of the standard leagues. But it's fun. I love it. Um, favorite type of league, really. But thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate to listen um and if you guys have any questions about prospects dynasty whatever you can hit me up on twitter at fantasy Aceball. please shout me out if you like my pod too just give me a shout out and um hit me up with a five star review on spotify and apple pods if you enjoyed the podcast i'd really appreciate that if you listen to the podcast please do that it only takes two seconds to go and leave me a five-star review and it will help me tremendously. I really appreciate that. So please leave me a five-star review right when you're done listening to this on either Apple Pods or Spotify, whatever your platform of listening is desired. Please add that. And um, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And shoot me a follow on Twitter if you like my stuff. Thanks, y'all. Peace.